The Cappuccino Podcast brought to you in association with Tactical Solutions. For all your tactical solutions, check them out at www.tactical.co.nz. It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Okay, so my guest for the cappuccino today is Taylor Johnson. So before we even get started, uh, let's wish all of our Pacifica listeners a big Talofalava Malo Kurana Bolovanaka, even though that's another team, and uh, a big g'day. My new own's not that flash. You got any new own? <laughs> no, I don't actually. No, there you go. Okay. So born and raised in Tikawiri, uh, New Zealand BMX rep at the age of six years old. He went to a few national champion, uh, a few world championships representing New Zealand. She's been a rep for Northland Rugby, County East Manukau Rugby. She's been a New Zealand Touch Rugby rep. Uh, she's played in the Farapama Cup. Um, you even established the girls' rugby program at Mags. What the? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, played for Manu Sina, uh, which is the Manu Samoa team, uh, sevens and fifteens. She's uh, of Māori, European, Samoan, Tongan, Cook Island, and Jewish descent. See, I check my stuff out. Yeah, yeah. And her own words and her sibling, she is a fruit salad. Um, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. She's also a board member for Sport Waikato. She has degrees in law and business. Uh, she's a commentator and a presenter for Sky Sports in New Zealand. Um, still working for KPMG, are you? Yeah, as a... Um Consultant now, moved from audit. Yep. Uh, marketing and comms executive for my favourite Super Rugby team, Moana Pacifica. And hey, we've even got something in common because we've both been Duffy Box role models. So <laughs> at some stage, you and I are going to have to do an assembly together. Yeah. Uh, so she loves to travel, mm-hmm. loves culture and family, hates tomato and coriander. I agree on coriander. <laughs> that is just dumb. Impatient drivers, yeah, that's yeah, an occupational hazard for me. And golf, which yep. like Mark Twain said, is just a walk wasted to be honest yeah but anyway so welcome to the cappuccino thank you for having me uh we have a speed round dedicated to speed which is the world's greatest police movie in my opinion (laughs) uh because it's got keanu reeves in it and he's like the man but just about anything exactly uh pretty much if he played fullback for moana pacifica he might just be the perfect human being (laughs) but uh let's start it off early uh the greatest pacifica rugby player of all time is and I'm going to say Alafati Falsaliva. Woo! Okay, I would have said, and he's the chairman, so you should have said this <laughs> uh, Sir Michael Nico Jones, but hold <laughs> on. Um, you know where I'm going with the next one. The greatest women's rugby player of all time is... Oh, you can't go past me off on silly. Oh, I'll have to say Anna Richards just for <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last book you read is what? Oh... To be fair, I don't actually read books. Come on, you've got um, two degrees, you've got law, yeah, Well, that's the yeah. thing, because you do so much reading at university, you yeah. just never want to pick up a book again. Yeah. Um, what's the last book I read? Jeepers, I actually... It would have to be all the way back in intermediate school, and I used to read a series of unfortunate events. There you go, that's all good. <laughs> uh, one sport you can't bear to watch is what? Cricket. Oh. For me, it's tennis, but that's all good. Oh, no, I love tennis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the greatest of all time across all codes, all sporting codes, is who, in your opinion? Michael Jordan. Ooh. Uh, especially for all of your siblings. 
Who's the one sibling I hate losing the most to? My sister. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If I was the chairman or chairperson of World Rugby, the one law in rugby I would change is what? Eligibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and biggest fangirl moment ever? Probably as a young girl, I always used to fangirl every time I'd see Doug Howlett. So, you know, back then they used to let everyone on the field straight after a Super Rugby game and he must have signed my jersey 20 times and would still sign it every (laughs) time I asked him. Uh, I just absolutely loved him as a player. He was so good. I think you've already got this one, Taylor, but yes, sure. Uh, (laughs) Okay, now you've got lots going on in your world and we'll get to some of that anyway. But first question is, how do you look after your mental health and your well-being? What do you do when... The, the cameras are off, mm. you're not doing stuff at Moana Pacifica uh, or KPMG or anywhere mm. else. How do you relax? How do you kick back? I think having a dog is, is really great. I love taking my dog out and about, going for big walks or going to the beach and just seeing how much joy is on his face. I kind of just forget everything else. Um, and I really like getting outdoors and doing things um, out and about. I'm someone that really likes to keep busy. I don't really like just sitting around doing nothing because I'm thinking, well, what else can I be doing <laughs> with my time? Even if it's just, you know, something like going shopping or, or things like that or relaxing on a beach. I, I never like just, you know, sitting inside doing nothing. Right, so if Taylor goes absent during this uh, podcast, <laughs> that's because she's thinking about shopping. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Uh, your parents uh, were massive influences in your life mm-hmm. and your sporting career. What's been the best lesson from each of them you've learned? I think from my dad is just to work really hard. He had such a big work ethic. He grew up, you know, in a really low-income family. Um, and, you know, no one had gone to university or anything like that. And he just worked really hard. And he also was able to play, you know, sevens for Samoa and things like that. So he was really determined. And I remember even as a young child, um, he was so focused on his fitness. So even though he was babysitting me, so he would sit me at the velodrome right next to him and sprint up and down. And I still remember just watching him train really hard as a young kid. But, yeah, his worth ethic is like no other. Uh, he just... Yeah, his, he's really taught that to me, to always just work hard and give give your best and everything. Um, with my mum, what has my mum taught me? I'm just trying to The thing is, though, is I am very much a daddy's girl. My dad and I were side by side, joint at the hip. Um, I think it was just because my dad always thought he wasn't going to have a son, and so he treated me like his son, and so probably why I have a boy's name as well, Taylor, you know, a unisex name. Um, All my baby photos, I'm dressed like a boy as well. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, because we just love rugby, and we very much were joint at the hip, but I think my mum, she... She taught what did my mum teach me? I don't want to sound bad. I'm just trying to think. (laughs) What did my (laughs) mum taught me? Um, She taught... I guess, oh yeah, my mum is really confident and she's always taught me to be confident and to stand up for what I believe in. Boom. Uh, she, yeah, she, she's someone that doesn't take anything from anyone and so if I feel like I'm, you know, not being treated well or being disrespected, then I'll let you know about it, you know, so I'm not, I'm not shy. Um, I will kind of stand my ground on for what I believe in. Nice. Yeah. Good work. So you go to Mag's, uh, yep. Mount Albert Grammar School mm-hmm. and... Uh, I say this is the previous Otahu College Rugby Girls uh, coach of about five or six years, mm. uh, when Joan Sioni was playing there, okay? mm. uh, and I, I'm guessing they didn't have any girls rugby program, nope. so 
you go and establish that girls' rugby program. What was that all about, and how did it come about? Because oh, that's a big call. I ruffled some feathers, I tell yeah. you that much. So when I was at Mount Albert Grammar School, we were the national champions in rugby. Um, in first of Dean rugby, we had the Moaska Cup, um, which was you know the the Ranfurly of, mm-hmm. of schoolboy rugby. And um, we were netball champions. We were basketball champions. We were cricket champions. We were soccer champions. We literally held every single trophy you can think of, and and it's all school roll of 3,200 when I was there and I think it's more than that now and I thought surely there's 22 girls here that want to play rugby um but because netball was held and you know it was the be all and end all of sport there and you know for me I only played netball because it was what was available um but then I thought actually I want to play rugby like I, I at the time I was still playing under 13 rugby um at suburbs rugby club go suburbs (laughs) um with the boys um but after you get from under 14 up you can't play with the boys anymore so I was playing under 13 open and I was like I want a girls team here so you know I said oh we're gonna start one up and then we did start one up and then we played one game and then Portia Woodman came along and played um and that was her first game of rugby (laughs) and we played casting girls who at the time were the best team because they were all bigger than everyone and they just had such a stronghold on the comp and we beat them considerably by about eight tries and I think about seven of those tries went to Portia yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next day uh, the deputy principal Teraha Keenan who was the Mystics coach pulled the pin on the team and said you're not allowed to have a team anymore because the netballers wanted to come play and I just thought that is insane and um, we, we had a big stash about it and we actually weren't allowed to play under Mount Albert Grammar School luckily Grandma Carlton came to the party and let us play under the club but in the schoolgirl competition right. but with that because we weren't officially a school we could have girls from other schools who didn't have a team so Teresa Fitzpatrick there you go. Yep. was from St Cuthbert's they don't have a rugby team so she came and played for us so it was, it was good uh, in the end for you know the other girls from other schools who couldn't play but we eventually could come back under the mags banner after lots of kicking and screaming um and then fast forward you know to our last year we were the sevens champions and then uh, even a couple years after i left i went back and and coached and we were still champions you know for about four or five years in a row um yeah it was a mission but i'm really proud of it and and the the girls there like they finished second this year but it's such a strong rugby program there at the moment yeah. and the investment's been huge but it, it was a battle to get there <laughs> yeah i hear because it's insane like i used to go to some of the high schools in south auckland with um anna richards and rochelle mm. and some of the other girls from the black ferns none of the kids would know who they were in fact i used to remember asking anna mm. to come to some assemblies for me and i'd say to the kids i've got somebody who's won three rugby world cups <laughs> um they've represented new zealand this this and this yep. and they would yell out it's tanumanga <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah uh, it's yeah. so true that's um, crazy yeah but it just goes to show how far women's rugby has come you know it doesn't feel like that long ago I was at school, but it was actually yeah, coming right. up to like 10, 10 years now since I was last at high school. Well, but it makes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes you feel any better. I've been a police officer longer than you've been alive. So yeah. that's good, right? <laughs> okay, so you've played for Northland, you played for Counties in the Fata Palma Cup, mm-hmm. as well as playing for Manusina. Yeah. Um, so you definitely have an idea, like I do, not as much, or you probably have more, more than I do, <laughs> but about the passion, the skill, and sort of the love that people are putting into mm. women's rugby, not just in New Zealand, but also especially for uh, Young Pacifica. Um, why do you think that there are still some old, crusty dinosaurs, and I say that because they are, mm. who still think that the women's game is second rate, has no place, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, clearly, I, you've never stood on the inside mm. or the outside of Anna Richards like I have on a touch <laughs> field because she made me look good, and that's uh, I'm an ex-prop <laughs> forward. Um, why do you think those people still exist? 
I think it's just really hard to change the attitudes of people once they've made their minds up. You know, a, a few, you know, 20 years or so ago, there weren't as many women playing rugby and, and they probably would have watched one game and made their mind up yeah. right then and there. Whereas you look at the skill level now, it's absolutely crazy. But I, I just think because rugby is still quite an, an old boy sport, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's all those connections and that people make. And I think that no one's really been willing to... Um, to actually go out and watch a Farrah Palmer Cup game or even go watch yep. a club rugby game. The beauty about women's rugby is you've got black ferns playing in the club competition. Yeah. You do not have that with no. the men's. And, and so the skill level of the club comp is actually phenomenal because yep. those women aren't looking at a place on the international stage and you've, you know, you can walk down to your local rugby club and see, you know, eight or so black ferns on the field and not pay anything to go watch them. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and I think because the growth of women's rugby has, has skyrocketed uh, younger are picking up the sport so much earlier and it means that the skills are there and you know probably 20 30 years ago the school level wasn't there because women would pick up the rugby you know in their 20s and it's it's a difficult ball to pass you know it's it's unnatural it's not round it's this weird oval shape um and it doesn't exactly pass through the the, um aerodynamically if you don't get the right spin on it and things like that so it can look ugly um but you go and look look at uh, any youngsters you know under 13s it's all ugly rugby because everyone's learning it's just the fact that women were learning at a later stage in their lives but now everyone's picking it up the same time as, as young boys are yep. and so the school level is pretty much you know on par uh, and, and I, I I say this in the nicest way possible but I actually prefer watching the Black Fern Sevens over the Men's Sevens now you know and the I used to always you know religiously watch the Men's Sevens team but the way that those athletes play the women in particular yep. I, I just love it you know yep. and they've, they always express themselves in and they they're not as um, rehearsed as the men no. like they're not yep. afraid to show some individual skills and brilliance and I, I really love it so yeah I mean I still love the men's sevens team don't get me wrong but yeah. I, I will get up at 3am to watch the Blackfern sevens but probably not the all black sevens yeah, yeah, just put that on record yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so out of your playing career how special was it playing for Manu Sina given mm. your dad's history mm. with uh, Manu Samoa mm. and also your heritage as well what was that like to stand there and actually go smashed it yeah well like, um it's quite funny because i always thought i would never get emotional but i remember uh when i made my debut in um, lautoka fiji i was thinking oh you know i'm not gonna cry and then like as soon as i lined up for the anthem and then i heard it playing and then straight away i was crying <laughs> i was trying really hard to sing but i was also trying hard not to laugh because the the young woman on debut next to me was crying as well but she was singing and it, i don't know about you but when you sing and you oh, cry yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't yeah. sound very nice and she nah. was screaming at the top of her lungs <laughs> way off pitch and i was like oh my gosh this is i'm gonna remember this forever <laughs> um but look, it, it meant so much to me because it, like I'd had already represented New Zealand in BMX and and that was kind of you know like my mum's side my Maori side but then mm-hmm. it was really special to represent Samoa because it's it's a country that I love so much you know I went to Ongasalawalasi which is a or Samoan speaking preschool and um, I just love how much we punch above our weight and everything mm-hmm. and so uh, they're such proud people and you know I'd go back to Samoa quite a lot and to know that I was representing those people and you know all the opportunities I have been given that they hadn't been and so that's why you always want to do your best for your people because you know um, you've been given an opportunity that someone hasn't been able to so you know make yep. sure you, you, you kill it. <laughs> Solid truth. Uh, right now here's the 64 million dollar question. <laughs> Which side of the family do you get your sporting prowess from, Taylor? 
Oh, that's tough <laughs> yeah. because, like, as I said, my my mum's family, like on my Maori side, they mm-hmm. were all BMXs. Yep. Every single one of them, like my granddad, and actually my nana used to call the game, uh, commentate the the racing. So maybe I get that from her. Um, and then my dad, you know, they were all rugby players. Um, well, actually, my dad was the sole rugby player yeah. in, a, in a very mixed family. His uh, eleven siblings and all of which are like a Fangai scenario. So we've got a really multi, like, you know, nice. some of my cousins are Rotuman and some of my cousins, you know, uh, Tongan and things like that. So uh, very different to what um, most families are. So yep. that, but that's what I love about the Pacific culture. And we're just one big melting pot. But I think rugby wise, definitely dad. And then BMX wise, mum. <laughs> so if you really didn't answer the question there. but <laughs> If I had to go with one, dad. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah. sorry mum. Uh, I tried. Now, I saw a video where you fessed up to cheating when you're playing, hating losing <laughs> as well, right? Uh, like, let's be honest, most competitive sports people, they all do that. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Uh, that said, what's the biggest lesson that you've ever learnt on a sports field, do you think? Because oh, I know there'll lesson. be some young girls listening going, oh, I wonder what. Mm, mm-hmm. My biggest lesson I've learnt on a sports field, this is a tough one. I guess biggest lesson I've learned. I think humility is a big one mm-hmm. on a sports field. Like I remember there was a game we went into. It might have been against PNG where we went onto that field thinking it's only PNG and <laughs> yeah, you know, and not that you should ever do that, but you know, when you do come up against a, a team that you know probably isn't as experienced in that you will get taught a lesson, you know, never underestimate anyone. And I think that goes for every sport. And, and there's been teams that have done that severely and paid the price. And luckily we did actually get the win. But I think being humble was really important as well. Like I'm not a big fan of show ponies, you know, no. and people um, like the rubbing of the faces when, yeah. you know, someone's done a mistake or the clap, you know, applauding when mm. someone's dropped a ball. Like, I'm not a big fan of that. And I think um, being humble is, is really important, you know, because you can never stop getting better. No. You you can never stop learning. And so that's, I think, for me, really important to always remain humble because there's there's always something that you're not good at. You know, there's always oh, something you can keep yep. learning. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a nerd. I love learning. So. <laughs> <laughs> And now somewhere in between all of those rep sports, you also managed to go to university, get mm-hmm. two degrees, right? Mm-hmm. Was that a super tough task for you? Because like you said, you know, mm. you come from a Pacifica Māori family yeah. and that, for some people, that's mm. a bridge too far, right? Mm. Are you a planner, a great organiser, or is that just sheer willpower? <laughs> Are you the first person in your family to get a university degree? Um... My sister was. Boom. That's why I don't like it. <laughs> no, my sister was. My yeah. sister was. She's a two, two years older than me. Um, but, yeah, like like studying for me, it was really important because I knew how much my dad and my mum worked really hard to make sure that we didn't have a life like my dad. You know, yeah. that we he didn't want us to want for anything. He wanted us to make sure we had stuff. And they taught me from a young age to, you know, save hard. You know, my first job was at Carl's Jr., taking drive-through orders and flipping burger patties yeah, yeah. and things like that, you know, and that nothing was beneath me. And they always taught me to save up and things like that. So getting to university, yeah, the hard thing for me was, oh, I want to go work and, like, you know, help provide, but also I, I want to study so that in the long term I've got something um, going for me as well. And my parents were really supportive, like, um, my sister actually went to Dunedin to study and racked up a massive, um, a massive student <laughs> well, loan, and my yeah. dad was like, "Don't do that." So I was like, "Okay." So yeah, he actually let me stay at home for free, you know, and which is amazing as a student. Yeah. I mean, the student allowance is is nothing these no, days, no. you know, like that. 
barely covered my train into into the city every day um but yeah so I guess studying was really important for me because I I always wanted to give back to the Pacific Island community but I didn't know what I wanted to do I was passionate about sport and I was thinking well well, like sport and rec, you, you don't really need a degree to get into that area. Um, I thought, what what would help me help others? So I said, if I know money and I know the law, I'm bound to be able to help some people in that area. Because my first intention when I studied those degrees is I actually wanted to be a player agent. Because at the time, we'd heard all these horrific stories about mm-hmm. these players who had just retired from rugby and had nothing left from it because their crook agents took everything or yep. they didn't know how to save. And, and quite a few of those people we knew personally. And I was thinking, man, I want to stop that. So... That's actually why I studied those two degrees, um, mm. because yeah, if you've got knowledge of money and, and knowledge of the law, there's you got to be yeah, beneficial much. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that was always um, my goal was to help others, and I feel like I, I was able to do that. Like that's why I joined the Sport Waikato board as well, because I'm really passionate about you know Tikuiti and where I'm from, and just wanting to help people. So and, and I think like financial literacy is a huge problem in the speaker community. Like you know they get in trouble with all these loan sharks, or and gambling's another big one that that really affects our communities and I just thought you know I'm handing out knowledge for free to all my friends but for me it's not for free it's like that's an investment for me like so whenever anyone ever came to me for advice um on money or about the law I just happily was like yep let's go have a coffee and I'll explain it to you and would never expect anything in return because uh, yeah I went to uni for that reason to help my people right the way down to um and you add to that mix um Mm great Pacifica teenage rugby players who were approached by people mm. who basically signed this contract for four grand yeah. and then you're you're sort of basically held to contract for the next five years yeah. and that's the end of your career. Um, and yeah well my, my husband was on, on something similar like um, yeah. we actually met in high school so we've been together for a very long time and he had signed you know like a, a contract to the Melbourne Storm um, when he was year 12 you yeah. know it was just crazy and ended up getting a release anyway because of his heart condition but you know it's that kind of stuff where like you know, there's not much awareness around no. it um, and usually if it, if it sounds too good to be true then it is <laughs> pretty much and then let's flip it uh, then in December 2020 mm-hmm. a new team uh, which I got very excited about gets <laughs> formed to play uh, the Māori All Blacks with mm-hmm. the intention of joining the Super Rugby competition mm-hmm. so sitting there fingers crossed let's make sure that this happens does it happen July the 12th a day that's in my brain forever Moana <laughs> Pacifica is granted an unconditional license for the mm. 2022 season and beyond mm. um, and in December 2021 Taylor starts as the comms and marketing exec <laughs> um, was that an exciting time because I mean as a fan looking outwards uh, and you mm. and I have spoken about this previously mm. but I can remember sitting in the mill rooms when I was in Counties Manukau for the mm. 19 years I was there mm. and with uh, my Pacifica brothers and sisters mm. and talking Man, if we could, and I say we, because that's mm. what it was. If mm. we could get a team into Super Rugby, mm. then we might be able to push everything through here. Because we've all seen, mm. if you've lived out in Counties Medica, you've seen how amazing some of the Pacifica athletes are. Um, if they got the constant exposure, mm. um, then things would happen. Um, it must have been an exciting time, but then the world got gripped by COVID and mm. lockdowns and you know, how long's this thing for here for? And people were questioning their mortality and yeah. everything else. Um, what was it like behind the curtain, so to speak, with 
everything that was going on at Moana Pacifica is was it hard to keep a lid on it but COVID's happening so it's like yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was really hard because obviously it was a, such an, a momentous occasion getting you know granted a license to join Super Rugby and, and you know the likes of Sir Brian Williams and um, Sir Michael Jones you know their their brainchild you know really coming to fruition mm-hmm. here and then all of a sudden we're all strapped down because of COVID and you know the biggest areas being hit were South Auckland which is predominantly our people and then you know one in one hand we want to celebrate you know such a cool occasion and the other hand you know we actually went into how can we start helping our communities because mm-hmm. not many people know that Moana Plus Speaker is set up as a trust um, and we've got a community branch so any revenue we make you know above covering you know expenses of the stadiums and things like that go back into the community and we've actually got a community branch that, that deals with funding with the government and goes into schools and teaches them about healthy eating and things like that but um we were wanting to focus on the rugby team but we actually turned our focus into how do we help the community and so we were thinking of ways you know to help um people who do have covid you know how can we um help them so we we partnered up with sir michael's food bank and we started Mm -hmm. you know sending our players there to help um pack food banks for for families who are struggling because they you know they couldn't work and there was lots of kids at home and things were getting really dire and um yeah, so I think it kind of showed why I wanted to be a part of Moana Pacifica because rugby is everything to us, but when our community is in need, we just turned our focus straight yeah. away and went into that. And I think that's so special and unique about us is that, yeah. yes, we love rugby, but our families and our communities come first, and, and I think that's so special. So, yeah, it was exciting, but it was it was chaos um, in the background, and then obviously we had to relocate to Queenstown mm. in January, and then some players hadn't even fully located to Auckland yet, and then you've been told to go to Queenstown, yeah, and yeah. then you, you're being told you have to go away from your families, and then people, you know, people's families up here had COVID, and they were really worried about them, yeah. so it was just disastrous, if I'm being <laughs> honest, and then... You know, we were finally able to come home during the season and even then it was really hard. You had all these bubble protocols and things like that. So I almost think that we were robbed of the excitement that we should have had last season. But so I think, you know, looking forward to 2023, it's almost like we're starting fresh and this is our first proper season where we can actually offer everything we want to, to the community, to the fans and to the competition. You know, we played three storm weeks, so three games in eight days, three times, you know, no no, no, no other professional team yeah. ever has had to do that. Yeah, I sent all of my blue, but we did. <laughs> blues fans. I'm like, oh, way to hamper us right from the word go. Mm-hmm. And they were like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. <laughs> now, as I said, uh, for me, and I know it is for you as well, and mm. for anybody involved with this team, mm. uh, Moana Pacifica is more than just a rugby team, and you've mm. just said it again. Mm. When you hear um, people with the mana of like, Sir Michael Jones, mm. Um, Sir Brian Williams talking about coming together, service both off and on the field, mm. representing villages, families, com- countries, cultures. I mean, anybody who's watched, um, and I'm guessing you had a hand in it, the All Access uh, <laughs> yeah. documentary on Sky, yeah. and seen um, some of the players' thoughts and mm. um, BG's thoughts and um, Michael's mm. thoughts and everything else. How much pressure is there both externally and internally to get it right for Pacifica? Yeah, I think we're hardest on ourselves because we really want to make everyone proud. Um, And that's a hard thing to do because you you cannot please absolutely everyone. Um, But there... I don't know if it's pressure. We almost, what I think the coaching staff and, and our board, you know, with the likes of Sir BG, Sir Michael, Aaron Major, even our CEO, is we try and turn that pressure into motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
you know, like, um, you know, all the Pacifica kids out there watching us, you know, they've got their eyes on us and that's actually, well, that's a cool thing. Let's flip that on, like, you know, we can now help inspire these kids yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to, yep. as opposed to, oh, there's a lot of pressure here. So I think that's really good that that narrative is, a, is a more so around how can we help them or, you know, how can we use this exposure we've got. Um, and, and there's a lot of social messaging that we like to push as well um, around eating healthy, around getting active and, and looking forward to this year you know we've got so many things coming up in schools and things like that like you know I organize all the promotions for the players to go to and we could only really do it for the last three weeks of the season but as soon as I said hey we're gonna go um, to some schools I had so many people put their hands up you know and I only you know could only take a couple to each school and then I rocked up to De La Salle College actually and then there was eight eight of our players here when only three were allocated and the guys like oh we just wanted to come anyway and I was like that is so cool and that just goes to show the attitude of our players you know um, every every single person in our team is Māori or Pacifica and that wasn't a 100% requirement I know we only needed around 80% but um, they all care about each other's communities just as much you know there will never be a someone on the team being like I only care about the Samoans you know like yep. I, I'm not Fijian but I can sing like how many Fijian hymns because it's so interchangeable around our environment you know we celebrate so many different cultures yep. and yeah it, it's so cool so I think yeah we, we don't really look at it as pressure we're like it's motivation yeah and you can see that with some of the guys singing the hymns mm. at the end of their game uh well, watching the beginning of the season, they were a bit shaky on some of the hymns, <laughs> and then by the end of the season, you can say, "Oh, hey, look at that! You've got a Samoan there." Yeah, <laughs> and that was pretty impressive. I honestly think I can hold a conversation in Tongan now, just from listening to it all the time and hearing them. Hopefully, it's more of the polite words. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, nice, yeah. Uh, is it fun? Because whenever mm. I watch all the videos yep. and uh, some of the YouTube clips, mm. um, some of the stuff uh, people have filmed and everything else. Mm. It looks like a lot of fun. Everybody can't stop smiling at mm. Moana Pacifica. That's mm. the impression I get. And mm. I get that there'll be tough times, but mm. from morning prayers to hymns mm. to packing up the equipment, even down right down to um, blessings, like you, mm. that game between the drawer and the Pacifica, mm. you'd never get that in any other game yeah. whatsoever. It is fun. This is a great environment for fun. Um, and, and I think it's it's good that you notice, you know, it looks like everyone's having fun. And the good thing about that is none of it is ever manufactured. No. You know, it's always, all the stuff you see on social media is how we like to do be as like a fly on the wall, yep. you know. Um, and we're just kind of showing exactly what does happen, you know, chanting in the gym and getting each other up. That's just what our boys do every morning. Like someone different will get up and say a prayer. It doesn't have to be in English, can be in any language. And then someone will get up and just start a hymn and everyone jumps. In and and just you know you see the um, excitement and that on the field you know um, yes they're still focused but you can't hide the grin on their faces because you know I think we had something like twenty nine players who had never played Super Rugby before mm-hmm. or it might have been higher mm-hmm. and so for them like they're just so stoked to be here and I think their attitudes are in the right place as well because they know that this is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity for them you know that these are players that would have always been overlooked by um, the other Super Rugby teams because um, you know for whatever reason now they've got an opportunity and I, I think that's why everyone's so happy because they're just grateful and I think yeah. gratitude is the biggest part of this team 
you know, when we moved to Queensland, there were so many teams complaining about X, Y, Z. And with us, we were just like, man, can you believe we're in the competition? <laughs> yeah. You know, there was there was yeah. no complaints around that kind of stuff. So the gratitude thing is massive in our team and it's, it's really refreshing. No one has a sense of entitlement like, you know, I play Super Rugby, yeah. I deserve this. You know, everyone is just grateful to be where they are. And and it really speaks a lot about the people like Sukopi Kepa and Christian Lelifano who, you know, well over 100 Super Caps, but they all still grateful to be in this position and it's their it's their humble Tongan side or their humble Samoan side just being I'm so grateful to be able to represent my people you know so that's been really awesome although to be fair when people say to me apart from like the Pacifica angle from Wikingham County's Manukau why do you support more in a Pacifica I always say well Christian Lilifano played for Ulster <laughs> I said so he's from the same village as my mum <laughs> kind of and I yeah. go down kind of ways and they're like yeah. Yeah, okay cool well, then that's one thing that we really actually want to try and, and tell, tell people is, you know, Moana Pacifica, we stand for the people in the Pacific. New Zealand is in the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. are all part of yeah, the, you know, yeah. we all use Te Moana and we are Kiwa, or, you know, like it's the great yeah. highway that connects everyone. And, and that's the thing, you know, yes, we um, are, you know, predominantly full of Samoans and Tongans and um, Fijians and Māori, but, you know, how cool is that to, to make sure we belong to New Zealand as well? Like we are very... Um, much respectful of Tonga to Whenua. Like, we actually only really refer to Mount Smart as Rarotonga because this is what the mountain used to be called. So, we called it Rarotonga. Mm. Yep. Um, yeah, so some people get confused when they hear um, our head coach refer to, you know, Rarotonga all the time. And it actually means Mount Smart. So, yep. yeah, and we always acknowledge Tonga to Whenua. Yeah. Um, we actually did our first camp um, in Kafia because it was where the Tainui Waka. Um, is, is at rest so they buried the Tonu Waka in Kafia so it was the last place that it, it stopped in New Zealand um, and because this area is technically considered Tainui which I didn't know <laughs> but yeah so we went and acknowledged them and they said in 26 years of Super Rugby no Super Rugby team has come and acknowledged um, the Waka for the area so That's you know in our thing. first year yeah. it was it's the first thing we thought of doing was yeah. acknowledging Tangata Whenua and like you say you know um, if you look at uh, some of the cultural advisors you've had mm. and the name, even the name Moana Pacifica, it's mm. like, hmm, just have a think about what it means because, you know, we've all come from oceans, just yep. saying, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, <laughs> as I told you, I'm a committed fan. Um, uh, as my POI friends all tell me, we all have that one Palangi friend and for them it's this <laughs> Ulakuna. Uh, but that's all good. Uh, but why should people support Moana Pacifica? Mm. Right? Um, and um, was it really hard to generate that support during COVID? Because, I mean, I know that um, there's been times in the past where uh, we had the ill-fated, I think it was the Pacific Islanders team um, mm. years ago. They were trying to mm. get up a concept like the British mm. Lions. And it lasted like a heartbeat and it was gone. And mm. there were a lot of Pacifica people just like, oh, mm, okay, disappointed. Mm. So was it hard to, one, generate the support during COVID? Mm. And two, um, why should people support Moana Pacifica, do you think? I think... People should support Moana Pacifica because we, I think we're really relatable. Um, a lot of our players, I'll give an example. We had pre-season last, last year and one of our players missed pre-season but was doing his training outside of our normal pre-season because he actually wanted to go and help his dad who, who cleans public toilets. Yep. And it was a no-brainer for our coaching staff. Our coaching staff said, that's fine, you go do that that kind of work. You know, um, family's more important. So I think we're really relatable in all our values. You know, we hold respect really high. We hold family really high. Um, 
and yeah we, we just feel like we're more in touch with the people and, and we like to be in, in and around the communities but I also think um, yeah we're fun and we're almost you know I don't want to use the word disruptive to the competition <laughs> yeah, but we're yeah. just something new um, yeah. and we don't have to follow any particular mold and that's what I love is there's nothing that we won't we won't try or, or won't you know um, how do I put it you know there's nothing that we won't uh, how do I put that chance your arm yeah like on, we yeah, um, almost, yeah. I say that we there's like we're willing to try new things yeah. and we're wanting we're wanting to make rugby fun again you know it's no secret around the world that interest in rugby is declining yeah. and it's it's because it's it's become a product that is just about rugby whereas us if you come to a game you know this season we're going to have markets you know markets around um, mm-hmm. all the performances we have you know there's so many fun things that you can do at our games and just just the atmosphere you know we're loud and proud and we really want um you know, Pacifica and non-Pacifica people to be a part of that. Um, all Pacific Island cultures are really welcoming. Like you would know, you know, you, as you said, oh. you're the Balangi friend in, yeah, the, in, yeah, the, in yeah. that. And you know, we've got we've got a couple um, Balangi people in our organisation, and and we don't treat them any differently. No. You know, we're not like, oh, you're not Samoan or Tongan, so yep. you can't sit with us. Like absolutely not. You know, if we are so welcoming of everyone, um, and it's so true in Pacific Island cultures that the more, the merrier. Yeah, it's literally, yep. you know, the more people um, in anything, the better. So it doesn't matter, you know what race or, or no. height, weight you are, whatever, we've got something for you. And I think that's great. And, and then to answer the other question, like it was really hard because everyone had been hit financially. So coming to a game was really difficult. Um, yep. And I think also just people being a little bit wary of coming back to Mount Smart and being out and about in the community, knowing that COVID's still around. Um, and we respected that as well. You mm-hmm. know, we, we were never... Um, trying to endorse you know big group gatherings were like yep come along to the game and we made sure that you know the stands were open so people could socially distance and things like that because for us we have a responsibility to those those um, Pacific Island communities and who are most at risk of yeah. COVID and things like yeah. that and we didn't want them to get sick um, so yeah like, it was hard so I think that's why we're so excited for 2023 because we've got all these ideas that we couldn't execute in 2022 um, and so but this year, I just think I really want people to get on board and, and really um, join our waka because it's it's going places this season. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hear the chihus from the stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know there will be some. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So then it's all set to go. Moana Pacifica, all ready to kick off. Like you said, there's mm. the bio bubble down in Queenstown for all the teams. Mm. Uh, set for game one against the Blues, and then boom, COVID strikes, mm. and a couple of the team were cut down with COVID. Mm. Um, and basically, oh no, we're going to reschedule it and everything else. Mm. How annoying was that to be that close? Because mm. you know that there was, oh, I knew lots of people who were like, "It's happening! It's happening!" Mm. Oh no, it's gone. Mm. Oh, it's up. Yeah, it was tough because I think the excitement levels were so high, and as, as I said before, like the gratitude of the team to just be where they were at. So, I think you know, at, at the end of the day, everyone looked at it was like well our health is what's most important we're not going to try and get back onto the field too fast yep. um and it was kind of like yes the dream is delayed but it's still there and so it kind of just gave everyone a little bit of hope and and everyone just kind of got around each other i remember in queensland we all just you know had 
daily teams meetings yeah. um, not even meetings we'll call them you know fun catch-ups yeah. you know everyone's we were playing you know guess the baby and all that stuff everyone had to submit their baby photos we were all in lockdown and things like that and we're all doing yoga and you know low intensity physical activity yeah. just to make sure everyone was okay and i think the biggest thing about this team is they really care about the partial care of everyone and so yeah it, it was it was gutting especially you know not to play against the blues who you know the a lot of our players know each other yeah. um, and you know they're based in Auckland City as well um, and so yeah we were looking forward to that but hey it was it wasn't to be and um, but I think at the end of the day everyone was just still really grateful yeah mm-hmm. um, now putting on your presenter commentators hat <laughs> mm-hmm. all right a couple of questions here right so yeah. first is who do you see Moana Pacifica's rival becoming like who's going to be their rival in the future like already I think for me, as a fan, I think it's got to be the Fijian drawer. There seems yeah. to be something yeah. cooking there, which is quite cool. What? So there's that, I guess, and you've kind of already mm. answered that. How do you see 2023 panning out for Moana Pacifica? Is not the franchise and everything else mm. going up on the great stuff behind the scene, but as a team, how do you see it uh, from your presenter commentator's eyes? Um, I think it. I think it's going to be a lot better in terms of we're not going to have the storm weeks and we're going to have ample time. Yeah together and and you know remember last season for a lot of our players it was their first time playing super rugby they've got a whole season under their belts they've just got a whole nother season of npc mm-hmm. under their belts as well and i think um i think we can expect a lot from the team um particularly in that first game against the fijian drua yeah, yeah. um you know they are pacific brothers um as much as we love them we want to beat them as well you know it's it's a rivalry you know all pacific islanders have big rivalries against each other but it doesn't mean we don't love each other any yeah. less you know this look at that samoan tongan battle you know it'll always be like that and even in and here at moana it's really funny you know samoans going up against the tongans when it comes to that pacific nation cup <laughs> time um but i also think you know one of our rivals will probably be the hurricanes because you know they were the first team to lose to us and it was you know th- the third only the third round uh third game for us in the competition so i think the hurricanes will always have it in for us because yep. you know they'll have the title of the first team that lost to moana <laughs> um yes yeah, so i think the drua the hurricanes and then also the blues you can't go past it i remember rico you put up um i might have been a post and he was like you guys are still the little brothers or something like that and it kind of like i was like okay so here's the banter so i think <laughs> yeah. that'll stick in the minds of yeah, our players yeah. as well and i think it's, it's a healthy competition you know um auckland city is the biggest polynesian city in the world right so the blues mm-hmm. obviously feel like they've got that connection but for us um Sukopi kipu puts it really well you know we don't represent a city or a state or a region we, we represent a people and so you can be anywhere in the world and we are representing you you know we're not just confined to a a region like any other franchise we represent a whole group of people um and you know you don't have to be an, a pacific islander to affiliate uh, with us i'll give you some idea of how that's going to go because in 2023 when the draw play um <laughs> Moana Pacifica, I'm going to be up in Canada at 3am with a <laughs> Fijian mate who will be wearing his drawer shirt yeah. <laughs> and him and I will be cheering. So I'll send you a picture, you can put it up on social media. Well, that, going, that's, our, gone that yeah, far, yeah. that's our first game here at Mount Spartan yeah. and I know there's a lot of Fijians living in Auckland so I'm expecting that one to be yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then we get into your other pastime venture, like we've just kind of touched on it a little mm. bit, presenting and commentating mm-hmm. on rugby on Sky. Mm-hmm. What was that like when that opportunity arose and how did it happen? Because you've had some really proud moments there. Yeah. Um, you know, commentating and I think 
a lot of people uh, have sat there and gone, who's this? And then yeah. you've started speaking and gone, wow, she knows her stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah that actually started when I, I think I was in my second year of my six years at university. Um, Carl Tanana gave me a ring and he said, hey, have you ever thought about getting into um, television work? And I was like, don't be silly. I'm studying law and business. What are you on about? And he was like, no, we just want to bring a, a woman onto our broadcast who, who understands a bit about rugby um, and is confident. And I was like, okay, um, well, I'll give it a go. So they told me to come along to a Blues game and interview one of the players. They asked me to interview Stephen Lord Tour, who I actually went to school with. <laughs> so <laughs> it was very easy. And they were like, you are so confident. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. just me. Um, yeah. And then that was literally, it was it was just, um, yeah, I was be really lucky to be given the opportunity um, through Kyle Tanana. And we, I'd grown up with him. Him and my dad had coached Auckland Sevens for a long time, and he knew that I was crazy about rugby and, and that I'd played for Samoa and things like that. And he said, you know, give it a go. And I did. And, and I loved it because, you know, I'll, I'll finish a game and I'll think, I can't believe I just got paid to talk about rugby because had I not been there, I would have been watching the game anyway. Um, and, yeah, I was able to take off some big milestones. Like, I started on First of Dean Rugby, which I still love doing to this day because school kids are crazy. You know, they they are so proud of their school. And, you know, it's two degrees and there's kids wearing their undies and painted fully yeah. blue, you know, like just yeah, to support yeah. their team. And, you know, lucky to go to places like Omaru for the, like, blood blood match, they call yeah. it. And, you know, you just go everywhere doing First of Dean Rugby. And then um, I was given an opportunity to do... Um, NPC, so just the presenting side of it, and then um, I was commentating on schoolboys. They said, "Oh, we'll give you a chance on NPC," and then from there, um, they put me on Super Rugby, which was I was so stoked about. Um, and then I was able to do a test match as well, so um, which was Samoa Tonga, which was was kind of like full circle for me as well. I was like, "Oh, I'm able to, you know, my first test match is a Pacific one, and this is what means everything to me." Yeah. So it was awesome. I, I really loved it, and. Um, yeah, and coming up, I'll actually be doing my first HSBC Sevens tournament um, in Hamilton nice. in January. So, yeah, I'm ticking off all these boxes, and it's, it's been a really fun ride. And, and like with anything, you can never stop learning. Eh? Like, I, I am such a nerd when it comes to preparing for my games. Like, I can name, you know, every single team that person's played for, their height, their weight, you know, what they do outside of rugby. Just, you never want to get there and think, I've got nothing to say, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and for me, when people are watching the broadcast I want them to go away with something that they didn't know beforehand or, or even just analysing the stats we've already got there's some pretty awesome stats that we have access to and because I'm an accountant I love like playing with the numbers and being like did you know that this team does this <laughs> yeah. and this you know um, yeah so it's Taylor the train spotter Johnson yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no it's all good alright so um, now I read somewhere and that it's really important to you and as well as it should be and I'll give you a, a great example of why it's important that players names are pronounced properly mm. right? and I know that you know lots about the players so that you can do them justice mm. and you do an awful lot of prep like do you, when you do your prep uh, for instance, do you do, uh, Keith Quinn used to do, I think, playing cards, and he would get the players' numbers, and on the back he'd write a whole bunch of facts on them and flip them over when he's commentating. If you don't, you can borrow that one for free. <laughs> all right, yeah, so um, what's your game day prep look like to commentate? All right, mm. and um, I th I th the example I'll give you, and I remember being there, was uh, one of Pacifica's most famous sporting families, the Wagner family. Mm. Um uh, Nigel was playing rugby league once and he had his name mispronounced as mm. a private body part mm. uh, which people kind of found funny and mm. then I remember seeing some of that family and they were horrified mm. um, their mother was 
just not distraught, but she was really upset. Mm. So I understand why it's really important. But what's your game day prep look like? And um, how do you? Because I mean, lots of people look uh, that of so, some of my mates will even say, "I can't support Moana Pacifica because I can't even say half the players' names." I'm mm. like, "Well, you're never going to know until you try." Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think um, growing up and attending like a Samoan school, like it was really easy. Like pronunciation comes easy to me. Um, so when it comes to like my game day prep, I'm always, yeah, as I said, I'll, I'll have got an almanac in my hand. And if you don't know what the almanac is, it's a rugby Bible. Um, and it just pretty much has every stat you can think of when it comes to rugby. Um, but yeah, I, I think I always go out of my way to learn who a player is, particularly if they're you know new to the scene or on debut, because it's a huge moment for them, and you mm-hmm. want to make sure it's rightly celebrated. I think for me, it's not too hard because because I work on schoolboy rugby, and you know if someone in NPC is making their debut, nine times out of ten I know who they are because I've seen them beforehand. Yep. Whereas for a lot of other people, they're like, "Who is this person?" But you know, I'm like, "Oh, let me tell you, they went to this school and yep. that school, and you know, all that kind of thing." Um, yeah, pronunciation is really important. And I always give this example to people like um, the word like keke, keke, and keke in Māori mm. is like armpit, cake, or auntie, you know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So you just by mispronouncing one vowel of a Māori or Pacifica name um, can give it a completely different meaning. And, and, and not to discredit the, the other languages too, like... Um, someone like Oli Jaeger we always call him Jaeger but it's actually Yaga you yeah, know yeah, you know yeah. so it's not just the Maori and PI names and and even when you know if I see a South African name I'm always like okay help me pronounce this like you know I go up and actually say to them what how do I say it and yeah. I think no one's ever gonna take offense and be like oh you should know how to say it everyone's like thank you for asking yeah, you know yeah, yeah. no one ever gets angry that you ask them how to say the names um but yeah prep is really important and we've got so much access to information now these days that you really don't have an excuse not you know, you don't have an excuse not to know something about a player or a team or result because information's at our fingertips. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, you know, how passionate you are is going to be reflected on how much work you've done. And and some facts are really cool that you come up with. Like, I remember just watching in the NPC, I was like, man, this is a really experienced team compared to this one. And I was like, I'm just going to go and count every cap that this person, you know, this NPC cap. And then one team had like a 1,000 and one team had 300. And I was like, I knew I was onto something yeah. there. But, you know, like you've got access to that information. And it's around making it easy for people to understand and doing the work, yeah, for them. Yeah, it's like I always say to people, uh, Kaka, was a good soccer player but that can mean so many other things yeah, well. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. right now there are some and I would never say it as a friend of Anna Richards and Bernadine Oliver Kirby <laughs> uh, that females uh, commentating and presenting are just sort of a bit of tokenism mm, right mm. Um, have you ever faced any of that crap and I say crap because that's mm. what it is because um, for me female commentators and presenters actually they you guys put another dimension on the game because a lot of um female commentators and presenters mm. are very good at breaking things down for mm. people mm. Um, particularly when it comes to skill sets like you'll get people who have been like oh, let's say a hundred test uh, veteran mm. for the All Blacks and they'll say oh they're going to go left here or they're going to mm. do this mm. but then you'll very often because and like you say because mm. I think female rugby uh, has not been around that long um, mm. you how do I put this nicely? You've mm. had to work on your skill set a mm. lot harder 100%. and break it down a lot more. So you'll be able to say, you know, mm. the reason why they're doing this, this, and this is yeah. because of that. And yeah. XYZ. yeah. When I first started, I, w- I was told, you know, like, don't, you don't need to try overcompensate um, for being where you are, you yep. know, because for me, like, any time there was time for me to come in, I'd 
try and get out as much as I can around like what's happening or any facts or like analytical stuff because I felt like I had to justify why I was there because of that mentality around you know like oh that's a woman what are you doing on the men's coverage um and it wasn't until I just the you know I can't think like that I'm just going to talk as if I was doing any other game a women's game or a men's game and then I felt more confident and everyone was just said you know like oh that's a lot better like you just you're being yourself and you're so right we we are over analytical uh-huh. or we feel like we have to do more because we're in that position um and and I think I personally I never have come across anything like that around oh you shouldn't be here or whatnot and and to be fair I think it's a lot to do with the decision makers at Sky who were kind of like well, they wouldn't put us there if we didn't deserve to be there mm-hmm. and we have to remind ourselves that you know like they go through a stringent process they do give us you know some training and they wouldn't put us anywhere where they felt that you know we weren't prepared you know it took me five years to get to super rugby you know and it's all part of a longer term plan and they didn't want to throw me in the deep end and be like bam you're on super rugby now and yeah. good luck you know uh, yeah. um yeah, yeah it, it is it, it is interesting um like one thing I always do and I know uh, the way I look at it when I'm commentating a game is, you know, if a try has been scored or someone has gone through a hole, why did it happen? You know, a lot of the times people say, oh, great pass, great yeah. run. And I'm like, but why was it great, you yeah. know? As a player, and I think it's, it is really beneficial when you have played, you know, after a game, when a try has been scored against you, you, you go there and you look, you go, how did that happen? You mm-hmm. know, was it... Was the inside person not coming across fast enough? Was it a good step? And, you know, something like that. There's always a reason why something happens. And for us, we just have to say why. And I think that's the analytical part that a lot of people miss, you know. Um, yes, it was a good pass, but why was it a good pass, you know? So yeah. that's what I always just think of. Um, and and I think it's kind of the opposite to that. I've had so many people come up to me and say, like, I think you're amazing, you know, like... Um, like Dan Halanga who you know said that to me um, some of the players would come up and be like I really love the work that you do and they're people I don't know and it's just like that's really awesome just to for them to come out and say that because it's so easy for people to criticize because that's you know yeah, yeah, yeah. nine times out of ten people will criticize you but it takes a lot for someone to actually go out of the way to give you a compliment and yeah. um yeah I've been really lucky with that that um yeah, people have been really complimentary. Yeah, uh, as a mate of mine said, dang, I wonder if she's available for pub quiz night. Awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know so much. Yeah, uh, right. If I get free food, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's throw on the presenter commentator's hat here. Here we go, mm-hmm. the $64 million question. Second to last question is, who should we be looking out for in 2023 in the Super Rugby Comp, right? And who wins the Rugby World Cup in 2023 <laughs> and why? Oh, okay, um... Standout player Peter Larkai mm-hmm. um, for Wellington. Um, he is insane. I have not seen a debut season from a provincial rugby player like that for a very long time. He's one year out of school um, in the Wellington region. He's actually half African, half Tongan. Um, I thought he was Fiji, and I was like, "What?" I was like, oh, dude, "Like, what are you?" And he was like, "I'm Tongan African." And I was like, "Ah, oh, because we don't really see many African no, players no, here." No. And I tell you, us who's African, Mark Talia, and so that's a good mix. He's African Samoan, so um, Peter Laka, he's got a lot going for him. But he's insane. Um, in terms 
terms of defensively and attacking wise, um, he's in the top five stats for everything in the NPC. And to be 19 years old and that good, um, I'm yeah. really excited. And he's also going to benefit from Adi Savia going on that sabbatical. Of course he is. Yeah. Um, and so he's got next season to really stamp his mark on the competition. And I can't wait to see him play. So that's my one to look out for. Right. Uh, I wish he was wearing a Moana jersey, but that's okay. <laughs> he can stay. He can stay yeah, home yeah, in the yeah. Hurricanes, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, He'll see sense. And then, oh, who's going to win the World Cup? See, this is an interesting one. I I always thought, you know, the, oh, the All Blacks will be tough, whatnot. But, but from what I've seen as of late, you know, we haven't got a team that we we always think, oh, yeah, that's our starting 15. You know, like mm-hmm. you ask any person in New Zealand, they've got a different starting 15. Mm-hmm. You know, the last few World Cups, we always kind of had a, a solid 15 that would always kind of go out Then you know, that's your midfield pairing. That's your loose trio. But at the moment, there's so much chopping and changing going on and we just don't know yep. who that team is. So I think I'm, I'm a big South African rugby fan. I do think South Africa will win the 2023 World Cup. I'm not saying I don't want the All Blacks too, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unless we kind of solidify a, a really good starting 15 of who we want, then I think the South Africans are going to do it again. Um, yeah, so all my all my actually all my favourite international rugby players have been South Africans. So like in lock, my favourite Evan Etzebeer. Uh, my favourite hooker was um, Bismarck Duplessis. <laughs> so there's a lot of good sappers <laughs> out there. I really do admire South African rugby. Disgraceful. Yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, uh, last, <laughs> last question. Uh, so we always do this uh, eulogy question. So the day of reckoning's come for Taylor. You happen to be lying in your casket, but yep. you can hear what everybody's saying about you. <laughs> what would you want them to say about you, Taylor? Um, it's interesting, actually. I, I was thinking about this when I was at Willie Lawson's funeral, and I thought I want everyone to say what they're saying about Willie about me someone who lived life to the absolute fullest um loved rugby loved their family loved being a Pacific Islander and a Maori and I think that's it yeah that I lived life to my fullest did everything I could for my people and just was a all-around good bugger and I think like Willie especially when it came to his commentating (laughs) yeah uh not afraid to shy away from maybe some of the more controversial questions as well, which yeah. he was really, really good at. So yeah. thank you very much for your time. Uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, very best of luck for the rest of the season. You know I'll be cheering you on yeah. uh, anyway, so that's all good. And that is a wrap on the Cappuccino. Thanks for listening. But please do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Cappuccino podcast. Real people. Real stories.